Welcome to the Faith Radio Reading the Bible Together podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. For this series, we're reading through the first six chapters of Daniel, and our hope is that as we study the lives of Daniel and his friends, you will be encouraged to stand up for your faith while also exhibiting courage, wisdom, and respect. Today, we're talking about Daniel chapter 6. Joining me this episode, as in all the episodes, is University of Northwestern Bible professor Anna Rask. Welcome, Anna. Glad to be here again. So we are finally to the story that everybody associates mm-hmm. with associates with Daniel. Yeah, yeah. Daniel we're on the lion's den. We're at the lion's den. <laughs> <laughs> so set the stage for us. Sure. In the last episode, we learned about uh, the fall of Babylon. That was 539 BC. I think some scholars say we can actually pinpoint it was October 12th, 539 BC, when the when the the Babylon fell, or at least when the city of Babylon was invaded. Now, Babylon fell to the Medo-Persian Empire, but really it was the Persian Empire. They conquered the Medes. So you hear about the Medes and the Persians, but the Persians were the ones who came out on top. And so you'll hear about this guy uh, that Daniel knows. It's Darius the Mede, but it's really part of the Persian Empire. He was the one that overthrew the city of Babylon, and we see that Cyrus the Great is the the big guy, the main king over the empire. Uh, He's the king of Persia. So scholars are like, well, who is Darius then? Darius the Mede. It seems to me that he's probably a sub-king under Cyrus. He may have even been the, the, the military general that took down the city of Babylon and actually conquered the city. So, and then he, he, it seems, is ruling that part of the territory, which is part of the larger territory of Persia. Okay. So we need to remember we're in a, a new empire. Uh, the city of Babylon is still around, but that empire is is no longer. There's a changing of the guard. Yes, changes of the guard. <laughs> uh, and one thing we see in, in aligning with this is that at the beginning of the chapter, Darius is trying to set up a new form of government. So we've got this massive empire. And uh, he's trying to decentralize it by delegating authority. So he appoints 120 satraps, which are provincial governors. They're over these certain provinces to rule throughout his kingdom. And then he appoints three administrators over these 120 satraps, one of which was Daniel. So that's a high position. Mm-hmm. He is one of these three administrators that have 120 satraps reporting to them. And he's an old man by the time. Yes, isn't he? yes, he's probably in his 80s. So keep in mind, wow. I mean, he came to uh, Babylon in 605 BC, and this is 539 BC, and he probably was a teenager around mm-hmm. then. And now he's lived through the changing of an empire, even, right. and he's still in exile. So and still in a place yeah. of. Like he's still in in an important position. Yeah, I was just going to read Daniel uh, 6 verse 3. It says, he so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities. The king was going to set him over the whole kingdom. So Mm. he had clearly a reputation with Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. And now he continues that with a whole new government. (laughs) (laughs) So what a high position. Well, you can imagine 
that's not making other people very happy. Mm -hmm. I mean, you hear about the satraps and the other administrators. They were likely quite jealous of Daniel. He had these exceptional qualities, and they didn't want him to get that promotion. So they decided we need to do something about it. And here's where I do show a, a video of, oh, no, what we going to do? The game likes Daniel more than me. Yeah, a little veggie tales there. Uh, but we got to get him out of here. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they had to come up with something because they looked at Daniel's life and they're like, he's got a spotless reputation. And, yeah, in his 80s, they couldn't find anything to get him in trouble for. So they had to make something up. Now, this shows us something about Daniel. They knew his religion was important to him. They could tell. And that he would disobey the king before he disobeyed his God. And so here's the proposal they brought to the king. Verse 7 says the royal administrators, the prefects, the satraps, the advisors, the governors, they all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or any human during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown in the lion's den. Now, right away, this is a lie because not all the officials agreed. Uh, Daniel (laughs) did not agree to this, (laughs) and he's seemingly the king's favorite. But this is kind of a confusing proposal, and I just wanted to mention it for a second because they want a law prohibiting prayer to any god or human except Darius. It sounds like they're wanting Darius to be like a deity, but Mm -hmm. why for only 30 days? Scholar John Walton, I think, has a helpful position here. He says, I don't think the decree is saying that they want to deify the king, but they want to make him, in essence, like the only legitimate representative uh, of a deity for a stated time. So maybe like the chief mediator of all prayers to the Mm -hmm. deities. He wants to be the one that it's all being funneled through. So the point of the law is to create a test of loyalty. Who is going to stay loyal to the king? And ironically, these officials are the ones not being loyal. They're tricking him. And so here's where they say, okay, issue a a decree. Put it in writing. It can't be altered. And this was something the Medes and the Persians did. They made a law and they couldn't repeal it. And you actually see this in the book of Esther. Yeah, yeah, if you're familiar uh, with that book, um, Haman, the villain, convinces the Persian king to write a decree authorizing the killing of all the Jews in the kingdom, and it couldn't be undone. And why why is that? Why why is that? I guess is my question. (laughs) I'd have to look more into exactly why they came up with that law, but that seemingly was their procedure. They, they just couldn't. They couldn't repeal it. it. Yeah. And so you see what uh, Ahasuerush and Esther did. He says, okay, I can't repeal this law that says the Jews can be killed. So I'm going to write a new law because now he's figured out his wife is a Jew. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it says, okay, I'm writing a decree that you can fight back mm-hmm. and you can defend yourself. And so same thing here. They've these uh, officials have put Darius in a position that he can't repeal it and they know he can't. And that's the point they're trying to trap him. Well, and I think it's so interesting that that piece of loyalty, Mm -hmm. because I heard someone um, pose the question recently, what's more important integrity or loyalty? Yeah. And because 
loyalty is a, is a an attribute yeah. that's very celebrated. It's noble. Mm-hmm. But if loyalty is the end result, if mm-hmm. someone wants you to be loyal no matter what, I think that's a that's a red flag. Mm. So it's interesting that that's what they're kind of what they're after. It is, yeah. And this was like the same situation for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their mm-hmm. loyalty to God was higher than it was to Nebuchadnezzar, right? And so that's what we see happening here and we'll have to see what daniel what choice daniel makes but uh, you may have seen the flannel graph exactly yeah you might have a preview (laughs) but uh you think about okay darius was very quick to accept this proposal and i wonder if it's maybe an appeal to his vanity like oh you're you're the main person we're we'll we'll direct all our prayers through you or something Mm -hmm. or i mean he's in the process of decentralizing his government he may may want to make a statement to his subjects i'm still in charge Mm. i'm still in charge of this area so again that could be back to the vanity idea but to say like just because we're decentralizing does not mean that my position has changed or something like that or he just really trusts them maybe yeah i think it's best (laughs) yeah yeah we're gonna if that isn't indeed the case we'll see how he deals with them later in the book Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah so the decree is signed uh it is announced and we hear that daniel here's the decree and I, i love this it's just it's so matter of fact it says he goes back home once he hears the decree he goes up to up his upstairs to his room opens the windows and he prays <laughs> and you're like wait that's the exact thing he wasn't supposed to do mm-hmm. but he doesn't change his daily routine once he hears about the decree he goes about his day as usual he apparently prays to god three times a day as he's as he has always done and what's interesting is he's not in hiding it says the windows are wide open but he's not openly rebelling either he's in his own home doing this so that's just again another way of wisdom tact but courage i don't think he's a coward here but he's not flaunting his rebellion either and we see that he's only found out because he's tattled on uh the officials see him and this is what they've been waiting for all along. And so they're very sneaky in how they go tell Darius about it. They start off by saying, didn't you make that unrepealable decree? He's like, yes, yes, I did. Well, your favorite Daniel just disobeyed it and you can't change it. So, I mean, his hands are tied and you see that he's actually distressed about it. He tries everything to save Daniel, but the law is the law. And Daniel's thrown in. And you hear Darius kind of give a last-ditch effort. And he's like, I I hope your God saves you. I know you serve him. I hope he rescues you. And so, I mean, we hear this genuine care that Darius has for Daniel. And Daniel has a better night than Darius does. Darius can't sleep or eat. He's hoping that Daniel may survive. Well, and I think it's interesting that if it was the king's vanity that that made him agree, that then these men tricked him. Mm-hmm. And if it's your vanity, then your vanity's just kind of been exposed. It has. Like he, yeah. He's just been exposed in a really yeah. big way. Yeah. He probably, if it, if that's indeed the case, understands what's just happened. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And although Daniel technically disobeyed him, he didn't conspire against him. Right. So there, there's something to be said there. And, and, and we see how distraught he yeah, is. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah, because he knew what happened wasn't right. Mm-hmm. So... 
I mean, he has a worse sight than Daniel. Yeah. The next morning, I mean, Dar- Darius comes and he see he calls out to Daniel and saying, "Are you okay? Are you alive?" And Daniel's like, "Yeah, I'm good. God sent an angel to shut the mouths of the lions." Can you? Okay, can we just like? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we talked when with Shadrach, Meshach, uh-huh. and Abednego about lingering outside of the furnace. Yeah, let's linger, linger with in Daniel. the lions den. <laughs> Seriously, can you even like when he was being thrown? Because it was usually like a cave. Yeah. I mean, they use the word throne. So I would try, I would assume that you're falling into Mm -hmm. something. And we'll hear later when the enemies are thrown, it talks about them being thrown down. So I would imagine it's uh, downward into the cave. Yeah. Yeah. But just that what Daniel must have been going through, like outside of, outside of. Terrifying. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And that he still he he still has his conviction and is thrown in there, mm-hmm. and then to be the to have the experience of, I mean, he knew that it was an angel mm-hmm. sh- shutting the mouths of the lions. What yeah. an amazing, yeah, experience. Yeah, and I love this because I mean, it just shows. Yeah, the towards the end of Daniel's life, his boldness and his courage. I mean. I fully applaud Shadrach, Meshach, and Abendo for what they did as they stood uh, together in their faith. But he, we don't know where they are right now. <laughs> They're not mentioned. But Daniel's alone. Yeah. And he's doing this by himself. And he takes a stand all by himself and is thrown in all by himself. And, uh, yeah, even even when he uh, is alone, he still is keeping firm to his convictions. It's amazing. Yeah. And, I mean, Daniel views this as God protecting him and proving, really, his innocence. Like, yes, he disobeyed the law, Mm -hmm. but he had not wronged Darius. It was the officials that had wronged Darius. And so Darius takes drastic action, and he throws them and their families to the lions. Which just feels unfair. It does. I mean, their wives and their children weren't a part of it. Yeah. No, they weren't. But maybe it's like guilty by association Mm. or something. I don't know. But yeah, it's it's an intense um, end to to that story. And uh, it's quite shocking what the narrative says that the lions grab them before and crush their bones before they reach the floor. Uh, So it's not a matter of lions weren't hungry or anything. It's like. God saved Daniel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, back to that idea about the decree, we don't know what day of day 30, uh, 30 days that it is when Daniel's thrown in, but um, we don't know if that decree is over or not. We, we, we do see though that Darius makes another decree and he says, Hey, I'm calling on everyone to fear and revere Daniel's God. And it ends with praise of God. And you see that once again, Daniel is prospering even in the midst of exile. And and that and his habit of mm-hmm. praising God. Yeah. Praying and praising. Pray, prayer and praise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's I mean, it's definitely telling that 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 habit stuck with him mm-hmm. late in life. And we actually it reveals at one point in this chapter that he's asking God for help. Mm. Yeah. This is yeah. This has been fantastic to go through these chapters. I'm so, so grateful that you've walked us through these and, and given us the the insight and the history and the context. It's been so helpful. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It was a joy and getting a little emotional. I still think about Daniel and all he had to go through. I mean, it's it's powerful. Yeah. 
So there are other chapters. There are six yeah. more chapters We're only done. <laughs> yeah, in the book of Daniel. And for this reading the Bible together, we are only going through the first six chapters, but surprise, we are going to have a bonus episode and we're going to touch on just an overview of Daniel 7 through 12. So the last six chapters. So make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss that bonus podcast. And we will hope to see you there. The Reading the Bible Together podcast is a production of Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Hosted, produced, and edited by Angela Smith. Special thanks to Professor Anna Rask. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, consider financially supporting Faith Radio. Find more information at myfaithradio.com.